0: Would it be too much to ask what all this is about? Hold to own- Yes, and what do you do? I intend to adumbrate two typical instances from separate, epistopic interfaces of the spectrum. Please say that to all
1: girls. Is there any intelligent life here?
0: Don't know. Should find out?
1: Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who in random order. I am Pete Paschal.
0: Uh, I'm Chris Taylor, and we're just a couple of guys who love Doctor Who, have written about Doctor Who, and uh, who love the uh, Doctor Who theme music so much that we hmm. do it as an intro for this fabulous podcast that you're listening to. And you may have noticed that the, uh, our drums are sometimes out of sync, in fact, always out of sync. Uh <laughs> oh, no. In the actual podcast itself. Uh, that, that's not how it sounds to us. Uh, I, I kind of enjoy the cacophony it creates um, after after our intro. Uh, it's it's kind of almost wonderful sketch comedy style. Yeah, here, it's but...
1: delightfully out of sync. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the character. It's the character of the podcast. It's great. People Indeed. expect it now.
0: Yeah, we're, we're out of time with each other as Ray. we... As we tumble backwards through time, through the entire history of Doctor Who, in random order. So, uh, wh- yeah. where, where are we and where have we been? Well, previously on Pull to Open,
1: we had uh, visited The Girl in the Fireplace. Uh, yes. a, a New Who classic. One of the first uh, brilliant collaborations between Russell T. Davies and Stephen Moffat, who would go on to run the show, of course, for a while after that. Mm. Um, and the Who prior- Beatles the who Beatles, and prior to that we had uh one of their later hits one of their later albums uh <laughs> on from season four silence in the library and forest of the dead mm. so there was a pretty clear through line there for the randomizer which i apparently decided to stop being random for at
0: least <laughs> one, for at least a couple of weeks and-, and a through line in the previous one uh which sure. was in the forest of the night going to the forest of the dead prior to that we were
1: forest of the night the only other episode with the word forest in the title yep and And now (laughs) (laughs) but that brings us to today we are now now at the trial of a time lord Mm. the mysterious planet i almost said part one between those two things but it's actually parts one through four
0: yeah. It's yeah. it's the first story segment of the right. Colin Baker season-long serial Trial of a Time Lord, which from Hell's from nineteen eighty six and uh, oh, yes. has uh, has issues, I would, I would say. is <laughs> hey, a fair hey. summary. We're not commentating yet. I know. I'm uh, just, just saying. I'm just a little, little headline case,
1: there. There's, there's some moments as well. Um, mm. There's a lot to unpack here, mm. I have to say. I mean, we can talk about why the randomizer brought us here, but I would actually like to talk about maybe even before we get into the plot summary of why we chose to do this one. Sure. As, as fa- four different stories instead of one complete story. Because obviously on screen, it is 14 episodes, all called The Trial of a Time Lord. Mm. But as any Whovian with, with this salt knows or her salt knows, this is it's split up into four stories, each called uh, something different, and this one's The Mysterious Planet.
0: Yeah, it, it tends to be listed both ways. It's, you know, in in, in in the polls of the show that Doctor Who magazine runs and that have, have also been run online, uh, we often get the, the rankings both of Trial of Time Lord as a whole and the rankings of the individual stories. Mm. So, Who fans kind of like to have it both ways. I think our, our original remit was we want to, Watch the the individual stories of Doctor Who, and yes, there is an overarching season arc, but they're very distinctly stories that were that were right. shoved into this format, right? And I, I would I would sort of take
1: even further step back out of the show itself mm-hmm. and sort of look at TV and storytelling in general, how it was in the '80s and, and that era versus today, where serialized storytelling became like television transformed in so many ways and in one of the ways it's like serialized is expected now and this is a Mm -hmm. speaks to how we look at this season versus the most recent season doctor who flux which is much more so like a complete story even though you know they're individual episodes with individual titles and you could certainly make the case that we could we could do them individually but flux i mean it's very much uh, that's that's one story. Yeah, and- Flux
0: feels like one story. Trial of the Time Lord feels almost like a clip show.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So like, I mean, storytelling is a little different now and uh, I think we made the right call on this one.
0: Yeah. And also if we were to watch all 14 episodes of trial of time, one at once, (laughs) I, I fear for our mental health.
1: There's definitely a pragmatic side to our decision. Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Looking forward to unpacking it. But before we get to that, yes, I'd like to just shout out to a couple of our very loyal uh, listeners uh who have given us some great reviews in the last couple of weeks it's been a while it's been, it's been actually two weeks It's yeah. been around
0: yeah um, we, we took two weeks for this one i think that's uh you know I, I had to take a week just to commiserate the fact that we were at a trial of a time lord this early in the process um I know. but um
1: but, um, but we, yeah done, we as a doctor in trial the time lord we're getting the epics out of the way uh really in this show seriously but It's been two weeks. Uh, it's been, we've got a lot of great response on TikTok and the socials. We'll talk about that in a minute, too. But we had a couple of great reviews come in, and we love to read these out on the air. I'm actually going to... Um, I'll, I'll, well, here we go. I'm just going to read them out. Here we go. The Do first it. one is uh, from someone in Great Britain and called us a binge-worthy podcast. Huzzah! Uh, he gave us five stars. That's very nice. It's Eddy. Uh, I presume, I'm, I hope, uh, I'm not sure if it's a man or a woman, but uh, I, I'm just going to go with <laughs> Eddie as a, maybe a male name. Sure. I I've, I've found this podcast through TikTok, and it's fantastic. The only reason I look forward to working out is because I get to listen to pull to open while doing it. I'm only upset that I'm finally all caught up. I anxiously await each new episode. Shameless plug to anyone reading this. Follow me on Twitter. (laughs) Docky Who Who Lover. Docky spelled D-O-C-C-Y. Go follow Eddie. I'm just going to call you Eddie just because it's in your uh, handle on Apple Podcasts. Uh, But follow them on Twitter. Docky Who Lover. Uh, Thank you so much for the great news. Thank you for listening to all
0: the episodes. Wow. They're all caught up. I just gave Doki who lover a, a follow, um, and yeah, that's. I like that he's listening while working out. I, I, I can highly recommend that. I've actually been doing the same. I've been listening to podcasts while running, and nice. uh, it's yeah, I can, As I can it recommend it, faster? <laughs> sure. Do you I... want to be over or... <laughs> get me out of here? No, I. You know, I just sort of imagined myself running down corridors. So, oh yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> that's how it works that's well, how you can uh, motivate yourself so all right well thanks yeah. again Doctor who lover i'm going to give you a follow on
1: twitter too right now i don't trust my uh browser windows but follow us on twitter while you're following Doctor who lover we are at pull to open 63 of course so i'm Indeed. gonna jump uh, we got a lot to unpack with this episode so i'm gonna jump to the next review i a, oh sorry i should say who it is it is chris j michaels on apple podcast this one's from the usa Mm-hmm. And it says, I adore this show. Uh, and it also says, Clara Echo comment, however. So this is a longer one. So uh, hold on. It says, Love the show. Uh, I've been getting back into Doctor Who as the flux came out, and I found it just in time. As a fellow Chris, huzzah! I, I find myself agreeing with Chris quite a lot. Well, all right. Yep. I love <laughs> It's lo- <laughs> just the way it is, folks. Chris. Chris. Uh, I love <laughs> Capaldi. So me and the Codex get along as well. Ah, that's because we've, we've obviously. Hit a lot of Capaldi episodes. So much on. Capaldi. Clara is my fav- favorite, so all the talk of her is just great, but I have a nitpick. All right, we love mm. nitpicks. This is great. Yes, We nitpick plenty, so bring it on, Chris. <laughs> over uh, Nitpick over the Where is the Clara Echo section. Okay, this is, for those that don't know, We every episode we talk about uh, Clara, who, of course, as we know, in the name of the Doctor, went into the Doctor's time stream to save him from the Great Intelligence and uh, essentially help him out throughout his entire life. And we see bits of that where he steers the first doctor to even picking the right TARDIS, et cetera. Right, so right. We all know this. The Clara um, Splinter. So we we have it fun every time we go to an episode, but where was Clara?
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but he says, okay, so in the name of the doctor, the final plot was that the great intelligence went into the doctor's time stream to kill the dollar, the, the, the doctor at every <laughs> moment of his life. What Clara did was go in herself to stop Dr. Simeon. The Clara Echoes are not there to save the doctor from his own mess, but from Dr. Simeon's attack. In that episode, after she does it, she even says that she's finished and he's safe. Why Oswin Oswald was at the Dalek Asylum is beyond me, but Clara Echoes are meant to stop Simeon, not anyone else. Simeon is in the background of every episode trying to kill the doctor, and in the background of every episode, Clara is there to stop him. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Can't wait that the code is bringing us to an Eccleston episode. I, as well, I would love yeah. to see another Chris. Yeah, uh, <laughs> The about. Chris's love, Chris. But what do you what do you think of the, the theory here,
0: Chris? We, we should also uh, add that, that he threw in a bunch of scarf emojis, which is great oh, because sure, yes. that's what I suggested people do in their reviews, is throw in a Doctor Who-appropriate emoji, and the scarf one is is obviously the best. And, and he um, put in
1: six so yes. Not only did he give us five stars, he gave us six scarves. Six scarves. Five. Yes. So someone raised that. You're going to have to do like seven <laughs> screwdrivers or something. Let's let's see it happen. I want to see you guys. Raise talk the bar.
0: Raise the bar. Well, I I think uh, that Chris here, not not to uh disagree with the fellow Chris, but I think he has within his own review the seeds of why. I think it's still legitimate to talk about Clara Spinters throughout throughout, uh, the Doctor's history, which is that she's right there in Asylum of the Daleks, and there's no great intelligence in Asylum of the Daleks, and I think that gives us a toehold on the concept that there are actually multiple Claras um, who... What you know, Clara was split so much through the Doctor's timeline that she does more than just save him from the Great Intelligence. She just she's just around to to clear stuff up, as the Doctor's companions often are. Um, so that's well, my personal headcanon.
1: Let me give you like a timey-wimey version of exactly what you just said, which I agree, <laughs> but it's uh, you could kind of look at Doctor Who the whole time. It, there are sort of weird things that happen in an episode that work against the doctor and other things that sort of like, basically who says Simeon isn't there, right? Do it behind the other things that we're seeing. Wait, uh, who
0: says Simeon isn't there
1: or the great intelligence. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah.
0: sorry, just go for the old who's on first joke. <laughs> I,
1: I finally got it. Um, <laughs> so, so if I'm the great sure. intelligence is there doing something like we don't, we're not seeing sort of either of them. And, um, and you know there, there's other ways this could work right whereas the uh, uh, like maybe the great intelligence has to concentrate its fire on various mm-hmm. episodes and maybe it's not actively working against the doctor in every single one mm-hmm. and Clara has has some time to help in other ways but either way I mean I think I think it works um, either yeah. it, it, the, the the great intelligence is behind some of the bad things we're seeing and we don't know it or that it's just sort of Doing it here and there,
0: yeah, and it's you know you you could look at it either way. And and Doctor Who is such a large show with with uh, such a, a a splintered canon, as it were, that you can kind of come up with any justification for almost anything you want to do. And in, in, in our case, we see lots of plot holes as yeah. we we travel through the Doctors, as we ourselves are splintered through the Doctor's timeline randomly, and there are plot So it's kind of a nice poetic way to talk about the plot holes in each story. And I kind of like the idea of, of Clara just being there to to clean up the doctor's mess, as yeah. his companions so often do.
1: Well, let's get to, yeah, that gets us to the real reason why we do it. It's just fun. We just love it. We just love finding places where Clara could be, and uh, we just like the idea. And obviously, Moffat liked the idea, because he, yeah. he shot some stuff with her in various outfits that would look pretty good in the 60s and 70s. Yes, uh, so yeah.
0: that, that is our retcon. That was Moffitt's retcon. We've adopted it, and uh, we love it. We love using it as a way to talk about the plot holes, um, but we love nitpicks. Uh, come come along and, and argue with us in your five-star review. Please do. Uh, Please do. Yeah, leave us five Thanks. stars and then leave us your biggest nitpick of the show or your biggest retcon as we decided to call it last time yeah,
1: absolutely we love the reviews please keep them coming uh just a reminder we haven't forgotten our 50th review big push for 50 reviews we'll get a prize mm. i'm actually i've been looking at all my doctor Who paraphernalia lately Ooh. thinking about what i can give away guys i've got some plans so this is not just like i'm gonna you're gonna get like something you could get off ebay this is gonna be like uh something from the collection okay yeah. so We'll talk about that in future, uh, in the future.
0: But, in the future. You guys are um, better jump in because I think I'm going to do that. If, uh, once we get to our 49th review, I'm just going to pounce and get yeah. Pete's paraphernalia. Exactly. I've got, um, I've, I've dropped it too. I've yes. said too much already, but I've
1: got some <laughs> stuff you, you just can't, you know, walk down to your, uh, your genre store. And, yes. anymore, so. I,
0: I, and also if there are any Pete's out there listening to this, uh, <laughs> I think we, we need to, uh, Put some balance back into the universe and the podcast. Uh, Pete's need to come along and agree with Pete.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's let's even it up. Let's get let's get some teams.
0: The army of Pete's. If <laughs> your if, if your name team is uh, your name is Pete uh, Tyler and you're in an alternate dimension, please write in. Oh,
1: nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's that's you know you can do that. You just got to go buy a supernova or something. I think. <laughs>
0: yeah, Pete, if you're out there, contact us.
1: All right, so uh, <laughs> reviews, they help the podcast, that is all, yes. but, and we love to read them out on air. Okay, so Over to TikTok. Wow, we got, we've got tons of business to take care of. We, want, we will talk about the episode, guys, don't worry, it's coming we'll up. Get there.
0: I know that there's so many Colin Baker fans listening to us right now, going, when are they going to get to it? Um,
1: but we but also to be, we first, TikTok. <laughs> It's been great, uh good great couple of weeks on TikTok. We know you tenant fans are out there. You know we know mm. you tenant fans are all over TikTok. So we have uh, the back-to-back tenant episodes were huge. A lot of people like to talk about the doctor's sexuality and mm. uh, what he was going on there and the girl in the fireplace, and by extension, the doctor dances. So there was a lot of discussion about that. Please go ahead and check out those. Uh, videos if you haven't um, lots of good back and forth and so a lot of comments mm-hmm. uh, and we wait, this is our new thing that we like to do we like to pick our favorite TikTok comment of the week and I've got one queued up here mm-hmm. um, it was on one of the segments we did that Chris talked about the proof that the doctor uh, shags which I think is a, <laughs> an okay thing for an American to say
0: exactly Um, yes it's fine it's fine it's like the uh, austin powers the spy who shagged me uh was (laughs) i was was newly in this country when that came out and in cinema as i was amazed to see it uh see that word broadcast up there. it's a little naughtier in the the uk uh,
1: the monkey emoji with the hands over the eyes. yes exactly the hand over the mat yep um but on that video we had a great comment it was from katie lee 422 Mm -hmm. she says so hypothetically Could a female iteration of the Doctor impregnate herself with a donation from a prior male iteration? Wow! Uh, Yeah, you know, for those just listening and not watching on uh, YouTube or (laughs) wherever, my head has just exploded on this. (laughs) Not since the Red Dwarf episode, I think it was a (laughs) Roboross, right?
0: A Roboross, yeah.
1: Have I seen something quite so uh, insane, but yet somehow make total sense? Uh,
0: yeah, that's that's that would be one way to get the show off the air immediately. I think if they if they had that <laughs> happen, that's if we that ever want to go <laughs> trial of a time you wouldn't, lord you style. You would you wouldn't get it them actually doing it. <laughs> no. it would just be you just no, but uh, what <laughs> that, that would that would count as as incest? I think in under. Under Time Lord law, I'm not that familiar with the, the Time Lord legal system. Perhaps we can bring I the think, Valyard in to explain if you think this.
1: About but... it, it got it must have happened in that society. at some point. I mean, like oh it's weird. God. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> oh it's, boy, it's like a Torchwood episode. It's very adult. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we know that that Captain Jack is probably you know oh, uh, yeah with with every, involved
1: 100%. with every
0: Time Lord yeah. He's
1: thought about this (laughs) time and time again, as we, yeah, he's he's proud to boast about. I I like to think
0: about the uh, the aliens in uh, Slaughterhouse Five. Remember that book? Where they they required uh, seven people to be present to uh, to have a child. And um, I I sort of feel like, yeah, you know, create time lords. (laughs) You you need a Captain Jack, uh, or you need to do it in a TARDIS like Amy and Rory did uh, to create River. Anyway. You know, we, we know we he's could... had
1: a lot of previous incarnations, some of which were female. We know this mm. now, post timeless child. May, there's time for a Doctor Mixer, you know, a little <laughs> a dance on the TARDIS or something, and you just bring <laughs> in, get some. I don't know what's the Romulan ale equivalent in Doctor Who. Wow, kind of well, up and there we go. Be
0: sure to write in with your favorite uh, Doctor matchups. Which, which uh, Doctor <laughs> slash Doctor would you like to see together? Uh, um, wow. impregnating each section other, of fandom that's already shipping the doctors.
1: I'll bet there is. <laughs> oh, for I, sure. I, I, and you know what? I think we've said too much. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I've got to wrap this up, guys. Uh, great comment. Thanks, Katie Lee. <laughs> Keep them coming. Uh, and perhaps you too could also be mentioned here on the podcast for our best TikTok comment of the week. Just follow us there. We're at pull to open on TikTok. No sixty three there, just pull to open. So check it out. Uh, but we are at pull to open sixty three on, as I said, Twitter and Instagram. Instagram's mm-hmm. growing too. A good week on Instagram, and uh, I mentioned YouTube. I know we haven't been great about getting our pod there, guys, but that is going to change soon. Uh, stay tuned. I know uh, a lot of you people have been asking about listening on YouTube, watching on YouTube. It is coming. Just give us a little time. We got to sort out a couple things. We we you know we got jobs and stuff, but.
0: And uh, and if you're watching this episode on YouTube, then uh, forget what Peter just said because yeah. we're we're up there. We've it's sorted good. it out. It's all good. All right. Okay. One last thing before
1: <laughs> we talk, and you you're loving this one, Chris, because you got TLDW this week. <laughs> Someone uh, asked us a quick question on TikTok, and we haven't talked about it. I'm surprised because we really? just did two tenant episodes um what about these rumors that David Tennant is going to be the next doctor like again the 14th doctor somehow what, what, what do you about think these about about
0: rumors? i i don't know I, I i actually i only learned of these rumors via tiktok comments on pull to open oh, wow. so it's it's all new to me do we do you know anything more about the source
1: um no actually i don't uh although i did read an article i don't know if it made a big deal about the source but there was sort of an I read the initial article about like oh there's this rumor and it's all because of Russell T Davies and mm-hmm. there it's kind of like this thing oh he's bringing back his production team Um, there's a lot of like well what what is a way to restore sort of uh faith in fans that may not yeah. really like what the direction Chibnall's gone in um, you know to be frank about it and is this a way to kind of like oh not only are we bringing back the old showrunner, we're bringing back an old doctor because he was obviously super popular and doctor who became in that time a worldwide phenomenon uh thanks mostly to Russell Davies in my opinion but also I mean David Tennant obviously a very you know popular actor and uh did an amazing job with that role so why not do that again well yeah. i get the good also, reasons
0: <laughs> well he, he doesn't age so that's sort of an advantage yeah. he's definitely got a portrait in the attic um yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think this is going to happen. I'd love to see uh, what the sourcing is on this, uh, if it's sourced to some no-name blog um, or references to anyone, particularly in the new production team. Uh, I don't think we're going to go there. I mean, uh, having having said that, we did just talk a podcast or two ago about the notion of bringing Matt Smith back and mm-hmm. doing those missing 200 years uh, right. prior to uh, closing time. Yeah. Um, but uh Tennant, well, it's sort of hard to see where you would where you would slot him in.
1: Yeah, I, I think you could do it a couple different ways where you could sort of have it it's just sort of following the old doctor or you know, like I don't know, the the missing adventures or something. I don't think that's particularly satisfying. I think what they would want to do is like, oh, he regenerates into a like a new version of himself, a la the curator. So yes. there's a little bit of precedent for this. He starts trying on the old favorites, trying uh, on the old favorites. Or, yes. For whatever reason, like something goes wrong, or the, there's a weirdness to his regeneration slash her regeneration, and therefore it becomes oh, like if there's an old pattern that somehow gets there, and so you could even believably do like an older tenant uh, to 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 take over the role. I I. I I'm here for it, you know, like, I'm like, sure. okay, I, I would, I'd, I'd check it out. That could be interesting. But I'm also like, I think that you, I wouldn't want to do a whole season. Is that right? Like, mm-hmm. I think you kind of do it as a one-off special, which could be a 60th anniversary type thing or something mm-hmm. leading up mm-hmm. to it. Uh, or maybe it's like you fool the audience that, oh, it's tenant for a few episodes, but then then they do the real doctor switch.
0: Uh-huh. Right. And the regeneration yeah. happens super quickly. Yeah. I mean, it seems a little greedy, right? Because tenants already had two regenerations. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, what True. are we going to, if we get a third one, are we going to see like the three doctors and all of them are tenant?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a good, like, the cool thing with Tenant in the Other Universe is like it's an easy way to bring him back without yeah. just doing like a multi doctor story in the way they did um, Day of the Doctor if they wanted yeah. to. Yeah.
0: Actually, so speaking of the curator, uh, I, I actually was thinking about that idly this week, and not just because I have a set of action figures next to my desk, including the curator and the war doctor, but <laughs> I, I was thinking, wouldn't speaking wouldn't that pride. be, indeed, uh, wouldn't that be a great way to end uh, Jodie's run is, and surprise everyone, she regenerates into a CGI deep faked young Tom Baker. Whoa. And then we cut to, like, next season opens, and it's old Tom Baker, as he is now, as the curator, and then we get to see him regenerating into someone else.
1: Wow. Huge. So it is like... Yeah! Wow, I love that. Right? You've done it. You've taken my idea and just uh, completely blown it out of the water. And now I'm just yeah, you've done it again. <laughs> Chris is so ahead this podcast. I think I was uh, also I love, it. About, I, love uh, it. Uh, I
0: don't know if you've been watching Book of Boba Fett, but basically the the deep faked Luke Skywalker that is appearing in uh modern star wars tv sorry (laughs) sorry but it's been like a week and a half people uh the the deep faked luke skywalker is getting so much better like scary good right because i remember the first season of mandalorian yeah was the second second? end of of season two he comes in and it's kind of like uh you know you're almost willing the camera to to cut away because you're like "Eh," it's sort of he's wobbling um, but no now they've got him like bright sunlight and he just totally you can believe it's young Mark Hamill and sounds just like him and even nice. though it's AI involved and deep fakery yeah. um, so if, we, if they can do that pointing pointing mm-hmm. at the rival franchise over there doctor who can totally do that we can bring back the old favorite but just a few people favorites say
1: eh? alls in your court RTD no indeed yeah, no, I, I'd love to see that well <clears throat> Chris, speaking of wobbling, <laughs> I think it's time. I oh, think God. We're, we're deep into this pod, and we haven't done it, and it's time, <sighs> dude. We can't keep them waiting <sighs> yeah. any longer. All, All right. right. We're back here at Season 23, story mm-hmm. number 142, per the Pulto Open Codex, which you can find this link in the show notes. Uh, we're a trial of a time lord, the mysterious planet.
0: And we are starting off, as we always do, with TLDW, can can I just mention not to procrastinate any further? But this is another reason why we're not doing the trial of Time Lord as one complete story, because the <laughs> TLDW would be insane. It would be you'd, seven minutes long. You would need a halftime. <laughs> you would. You need, need a halftime
1: <laughs> show within it, and just take a break, get a water. Okay, like you know, have some dancing Daleks entertain the listeners, and then we <laughs> we bring in. it back for the second uh, half. Okay, but oh, this man. time. TLDW, Too Long, Didn't Watch, Too Long, Doctor Who.
0: do it, Have we decided which it is? Is it Too Long, Doctor Who? It, it's it's uh, in the true spirit of the TARDIS. It's both simultaneously, but you don't know until it actually appears. Uh, you know, is cat-like. And uh, in this case, I think... Given the dreadful viewing figures for *Trial of the Time Lord*, <laughs> it's too long. Didn't watch. <laughs> okay. Uh.
1: <laughs> so it depends on the production team. Uh, mm. It's too long. Didn't watch. It is for *The Mysterious Planet*. We give thirty seconds for every twenty-five minute episode, and uh, notably, this is the <laughs> first time they did twenty-five epi- minute episodes. The, the first, the, the first story to bring them back after a season mm. of doing forty-five minute episodes, I should say, um, but. That is what we are doing, and because there's four, you get a full two minutes to tell us all about the story of the mysterious planet. So, Chris, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's start this off in three, two, one,
0: go. Okay, so the TARDIS gets pulled out of time, and the Doctor gets pulled into this Time Lord. A space station where he is the subject of an inquiry from the Inquisitor and a prosecutor known as the Valyard, and uh, the uh, Doctor doesn't even know that he's no longer president of Gallifrey, so he's very surprised by this inquiry that becomes a trial because the Valiard's sort of out to get the Doctor and we don't know why Uh, but the story that the Valiard shows on screen is is something the Doctor has been through recently on the planet of Ravlox and uh, what is Ravlox? Well the Doctor discovers pretty early on that it's got Marble Arch tube stations so it's actually Earth but it's in the wrong place and he doesn't know why and isn't resolved in the whole story Uh, but on Ravlox there is a uh, quote-unquote immortal who's actually a robot and And he selects a couple of kids uh, to work for him and everyone else. He's like either purging them or telling them that the planet's been ravaged by fire so they can't go to the surface. Uh, But the security guy has been helping everyone to the surface uh, where they live. They live as the free people uh, with a queen. And uh, there's a, a black light antenna up there that that provides the the immortals' uh, energy, which is black light. And uh, there are a couple of uh, rogues called Glitz and Dibber. Uh, they they're trying to destroy the black light thing and steal secrets from the immortal. And uh, they they almost get killed by uh, the the head of the the free the queen of the free uh who they instead with with perry who's also captured they turn around and go to the immortal's castle underground which is down through moblo you station turn, turn left take a couple of corridors down you're almost there and uh uh the doctor uh manages to persuade the robot tries to persuade the robot that he shouldn't kill everyone in the black light explosion that might expand and kill the entire universe and and then he uh leaves with perry and and uh, after the robot and
1: time Nice. Nailed it. Wow. There's
0: a lot I mean, there, man. Yeah, there's a lot to deal with and it's wow. sort of uh, yeah. You I, got uh, it? You got the trials you you like, the- Yeah, I got I got the trials, anything I, I missed. Deborah, I, I forgot to mention that Perry I mean, is, uh, is going to be married off to several male members of the tribe. <laughs> uh, that might be the biggest thing that I left out. There was uh, a
1: lot of this, this season uncomfortableness with <laughs> marrying Perry off to various people. Um, yeah. but no, you got it. I think it, once you get going in the story story, the trial story sort of takes to the background and there's some yeah. foreshadowing stuff that hap- for, for things that happen later in the trial. Uh, that that maybe weren't in. But since we're talking about this story mainly, I don't know how super relevant that was to uh,
0: to just well, the we, we should mention the it's the first case, I believe of Doctor. Who getting bleeped. <laughs> not not for any obscenity within the show but for the uh, when, when glitz mentions the name of this vast store of knowledge that he's trying to steal that the immortal right. has it gets bleeped out uh and and we find out later in trial of time lord what it is uh but given that the we're told already that the information in this story is coming to us via the matrix i think it's kind of easy to figure out <laughs> what the fast store of knowledge might be, just saying. A bit of a giveaway.
1: Um, it is <laughs> one of those things one. I liked. I mean, honestly, like those are aspects of trial of the Time Lord, and talking about the trial scenes that I thought kind of work at this point. Mm. I think those sort of things they're putting in there to uh foreshadow what's coming later do intrigue rather than confuse or or get in the way at this point in the trial. Um, there's also the thing about obviously they're gonna show Colin Baker and his recent adventures and that's the whole point of the show but if this really is a trial about the things he's done, you kind of like you kind of almost think, well why wouldn't you show some stuff from Davison and why't oh, right. you even pick this adventure I could I could name probably a few off the top of my head that show what a freaking meddler is
0: but, exactly you know, exactly, exactly. so either could... the
1: top of my list.
0: Make it a clip show, and that would sort of placate the, the guys at the BBC who want this to get even cheaper, uh, you know. And, and right. that might actually be more fun, because you'd you'd have more trial scenes, more arguing between Six and the Valyard, uh, which is, in some ways, sort of the most appealing part of this episode is the part, the only part, perhaps, where the actors are having any fun with it. Yeah, No. agreed. That was something that struck me on a rewatch, was how just... Miserable. Everyone seems in in filming this. You mean and, in the, uh, in the trial
1: or the all of it?
0: All of it, really. I mean, I, I think the trial scenes are an exception. Uh, although right. I do feel sorry for all those uh, extra time lords. In, in the background whose only job is to swivel round, <laughs> and they they need to talk to like Time Lord Osha, Galfrey and Osha, because they, right. they're just going to get such a crick in their net look, looking up at that screen. Yeah, the angle funny. That their only job
1: at... is to sit there and watch Doctor Who. Which... <laughs> <laughs> I think that, you know, there are worse jobs, but uh, it's kind of our job. But the it's, it's really funny um, and interesting to unpack the very conscious metaphor here, right? And yes. maybe we should get right into it, which is that. Let's do it. Because it, you have to sort of, to understand this show, you really have to understand what was going on in Doctor Who at the time. It had been put on hiatus, uh, I think canceled first by the controller at BBC and then put on hiatus yeah. because of the outcry. And he really it's, had it in um, Doctor Who. Like he didn't yeah. really like the show, thought it was dumb and, you know, looked cheap and was kind of a national embarrassment. Um, and he and was-
0: to be honest, at the time he was kind of right. Well, yeah, and that's not yeah. just me saying that, that's Russell T Davies saying that. Um, mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite parts of uh, the writer's tale. Uh, there are many, many sort of wonderful tidbits in that book, but one of them is Russell T Davies talking about a dinner he had with Michael Grade, who was the controller in question, sort of notorious mm-hmm. in Doctor Who circles for being the man who killed Doctor Who in the 80s. And uh, Michael Gray goes Russell T davis This is actually the revival of the show, and he's like, "Oh, I suppose you, I suppose you hate me, right? I suppose you don't, you didn't agree with what I did." And Russell T davis just turns around and said, "No, you were right. It was shit," <laughs> which Michael Gray just howls of laughter. I mean, and that's sort of like it's not the the PC thing to say, right? In, in mm-hmm. Doctor Who fan circles, you know, I can't even imagine Moffat saying that because Moffat's a guy who loves to defend every single era of Doctor Who as much as he can. Uh, you know, and, and we all love Colin Baker in fan circles, right? He's, he's, he's kind of he's grown really great, into yeah. He's a lovely guy. I don't know if you've interviewed him, Pete. I have. He's sort of a lovely, lovely Doctor Dad at this stage. Yeah. Uh, so, well,
1: yeah, no, we don't have to get too say much that into the it where, like, he was obviously fired at the end of this season. And yeah. I, I know there was a short period where he was a bit bitter about it. I think justifiably so. He was obviously mm-hmm. not really treated very well as uh, and blamed for certain things about the show which were not his fault at all um and but i think to his credit he came back around pretty quickly and mm-hmm. became kind of a uh, an elder statesman for doctor who in later years and even before that he was in the stage play that they were doing in the 90s um he did a whole run uh, in the ultimate adventure um, yeah. He and Pertwee both reprised the roles for the stage. So, I mean, he clearly, like, knew about his, he, you know, he was a fan of his own, of the show and his own work and basically was like, okay, like, and, and appreciated, I would say, in the right way, like, what being the doctor, even for the limited time he had, really yeah. meant. And uh,
0: we're yeah. super
1: grateful for him having that attitude because he he, was every, he had every right to say, screw this, I'm never touching this franchise again.
0: Indeed, as you know, uh, other other doctors who've had sort of, uh, you know, tenuous relations with the show, you know, Tom Baker definitely had to take time, a lot of time off, wouldn't appear in the Five Doctors, etc., right. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Uh, Chris but Eccleston he
1: later, he regretted that.
0: Yeah, and and Chris Eccleson, you know, of course, has, has recently come back uh, overly because he says he needs the money. Um, <laughs> he's come down to do the big finish. We've talked about that before, um, but yeah, Colin Baker had had his had his time away, and he came back, and he he actually did his regeneration proper with with Big Finish, and um, his regeneration is Sylvester McCoy. So we've you know that is now canon. It's out there, right? Um, but I, I sort of. I, since this is our first sixth doctor adventure that we 've come mm. to in Paul to open, I want to talk just for a minute about about six and about Colin Baker, sure. because apparently he got the role when uh, and he talks openly about this we 'll talk about this a lot. Uh, he was at a garden party, I believe, and John Nathan Turner happened to be there and Colin Baker was just whatever happened that day, whatever he drunk, he was just on fire and mm-hmm. amusing the hell out of everyone. And John Nathan Turner took one look at this guy who was just, you know, holding a crowd enraptured uh with his his bon mots. And um and said, so That's that's the doctor, that's the next doctor. And uh, th- there's always sort of this question around six of like, is it that he was written badly because they went on this sort of, you know, uh post Caves of Androzani streak of thinking that well, what we need is more of that. We need more sort of dark Doctor Who and, you know, he should be deliberately unlikable and all this stuff. Hmm. And to what extent was it just, was was Colin Baker wrong for the role? Hmm. And I don't often say that of act- actors who play the Doctor, but I think with Baker and and personally speaking, Sylvester McCoy, again, love you, Sylvester, maybe some people aren't necessarily right for, for the Doctor role who who ended up playing the Doctor. Yeah, I don't know if I'm the guy to even judge that.
1: So I'll mm-hmm. do a little confession for me, Peter Davison was my first doctor. Right. And to have, when Colin Baker caught on board, you know, I wanted to like the show, but I also felt like he was kind of the guy who, who you know, essentially killed my best, my favorite yeah. doctor. Um, so I had he, probably even the like. worst... Yeah. Reaction to him. I did not like Colin Baker at first. Uh, I also think, like, honestly, his scripts were... Uh... Yeah, yeah. There he was, was not well like,
0: served by his writers. He was not
1: well served, but I mean, I'm, I'm glad I'm sort of... I'm glad Trial of the Time Lord is actually my first encounter with him again and mm. doing it with this podcast because I think he's quite good in terms of balancing what he was sort of trying to do in the first season, which was sort of this arrogant, unlikable person but tempering that with a little more um, self awareness and a little more humor. And I think it works. I think he found the, ba- he found the balance. And I think uh, if you look at another <laughs> doctor that the randomizer is obsessed with, Peter Capaldi, mm. I found his journey to be similar. Like, I do think there was a bit of a reboot with that, his doctor in um, series nine. Yeah. And he was the better for it. Um, for sure and same thing here i would have loved to actually have seen more seasons of colin baker with maybe some better writing uh outside of this sort of the, the first season in the trial stuff like i i don't feel like he never got really a proper season until big finish and I haven't, yeah. I haven't listened to nearly enough of his stuff but he uh he he seems to be as an actor getting it right here
0: so so two things so first of all uh yeah you know i <laughs> I really wanted to, I root for every doctor who's in the role. Yeah. Uh, Always. Whenever they're in the role, I want them to go for Tom Baker's record. I don't want them to be another two season, three season wonder. Yeah. You know, I, I want them to really dig in, really become the doctor. And I was rooting for Colin Baker at the time. Not only that, I was rooting for the show and I was, I was watching this at the time and and I was trying to get my dad, I kind of mentioned this at the end of, of the last part. Uh my my dad was a Trouton era fan. Right. Right. And and sort of think four things okay. went went downhill from Pertwee onwards, right? That was his <laughs> conception. But by nineteen eighty-six I, I was the one carrying the can for Doctor Who and my family, and I really, really wanted him to watch this. So I, I remember one long hike we took on Hadrian's Wall the ancient uh, border between England and Scotland. And I spent so much of that night just trying to recap trial of a time Lord for him. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so T-T-W this week has a, has a bit of personal resonance because I was, I've kind of done that before, just not in one minute. Um, and it just, it just didn't take. And actually when I was watching this again, I watched episode four specifically. Okay. So much of the dialogue was familiar that I realized that I had not only taped it on VHS, I had watched it and rewatched and rewatched it. That whole line where he calls the valley the knacker's yard. Oh yeah, uh, I was like, oh shit! Like, I spent so many misbegotten hours t- rewatching *Trial of the Time Lord*, trying to make it good in my head because I think I knew even then there was only one time Doctor Who can do this, right? I mean, yes, the Doctor was on trial in *The War Games*. Mm-hmm. Right, and in yep. theory, this is a trial that covers all of his uh, activities since then well that's yeah i I do feel like they should have said that more explicitly,
1: <laughs> just a little again i you know I'm the nitpicker here, and it's like the whole idea that there's no double jeopardy, i mean, I guess you yeah. know who knows what time lord legal system is It's like guys, we've done this, and they sort of justify it like. <laughs> well, we didn't get it right that last time. They should have said, well, you've actually done a lot of meddling since. Yeah, exactly.
0: The Doctor is certainly a scofflaw. They should definitely be brought up to the point that they should have shown more than a handful of adventures. But regardless, uh, it's it's one of those ideas where you're like, the trial of a time lot. Even as a kid, you instantly get the concept, right? And you get... How great that could be, and your head cannon is immediately racing as to how great that could be. How great!
1: Well, I also feel like there's been great legal drama in yeah. TV up until this. I think even LA was LA Law on at this point. That might have just started. I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. You know the, the whole idea of the legal drama. Yeah, is a you know obviously it's a trope of going back forever and. But it's a great format. I mean, that's why it keeps coming back. You know, there's there's adversaries and a verdict, and it's kind of how we want it to be. Even though the right. our real legal system is ne- hardly, well, probably almost never as dramatic, unless it's like a Supreme Court thing or whatever.
0: Indeed, and and Colin Baker was was a lawyer in his past life, right? So right. he he knew how to do this stuff in the courtroom. So it has such potential. And Doctor Who can only do it once. So this has got to be. You've got to knock it out of the park, especially if you know we'll we'll get into this but the context was they were sort of they knew that doctor who was fighting for its life they knew that you know the show had gone on hiatus when it was supposed to be canceled and there'd been this whole fan campaign and now here it is and it's back and it's it's defending itself so there's the the larger fourth wall breaking metaphor of it and they did not knock it out of the park they Mm. they whiffed it uh, in in uh, in that terminology, right? I mean, it's just, you can you can try, you can stretch yourself, can co- contort yourself in all sorts of ways, say the Trial of Time Lord, no, it's good, you know, no, the Valiard's an interesting villain, et cetera, et cetera, but it just, it, it, <laughs> it squandered such a great opportunity, and that's why I think I, I kind of need therapy around this episode, Pete.
1: Yeah, like many, many <laughs> good legal arguments, good on paper, yeah <laughs> you know like it's um the I, I taking on the metaphor thing first i really mm. like i here might be an unpopular opinion i actually really like the idea of turning the the uh, doctor who being on trial into mm. something that is sort of self referential and borderline breaking the fourth wall oh yeah absolutely i think that could be really fun um and still work as a story element but uh, it's just not that interesting the way they've done it one is like they don't they haven't really thought out the legal side of this and i know that sounds really stupid but it is like it's it comes down to the doctor and the valyard yelling at each other which mm. is fun at first and but it, i gotta say it gets tiresome pretty quickly even within mm. this story right i think some of the trial stuff works but by the end what he's he's constantly calling him names, which they even say he's being immature. And it's like, okay, dude, it's, it's enough already. He does like the knackers yard, the boneyard. I I mean, you know, you're not like, he's he's freaking Sawyer from lost or something, giving everyone a nickname. Um, (laughs)
0: Uh, yeah just, dude it's it's not you're not being that clever doctor it's funny you've the been, first you've, time <laughs> you've been a lot clever in the past and and the inquisitor you, you have a lot of these lines that sort of you wouldn't want to throw out in in the defense of a show like if, you, if you're taking this meta thing to its logical conclusion you have lines like the, the inquisitor saying that she tires of this bickering between them and the audience is like yep us too you and know it's
1: like uh can't we just have the edited highlights?
0: Yes. The doctor himself saying that the doctor is basically condemning himself out of his own mouth in terms of the, the, you know, the fourth wall breaking meta concept.
1: I'm bored watching me and Perry just wandering around and, and making puns or whatever they were, you know, like, it's like, well, you shouldn't be. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and doesn't, and doesn't and, he even say like wake me when it's over yes that yeah. that was like at the very end like well if it's if your your next thing you're going to show me is going to be like uh, you know, the solid part of you're going to be like this one wake me when it's finished it's like wait what Are, did you just <laughs> review the episode we just saw badly <laughs> like, one star. <laughs> like it's like okay that could be fun but i'm also uh, that's a weird position to take doctor who on yourself
0: <laughs> Uh, By the way, speaking of Doctor Who and the name of the Doctor, mm-hmm. I uh, this was one one surprise, one tiny pinprick of light in the rewatch. Did you notice the Doctor almost says his name?
1: You know, I have to confess, I kind of didn't. <laughs> when, when did that
0: happen? <laughs> it's uh, in the first episode. Uh, the Doctor talks about, and apparently he's—I uh, couldn't remember this. Colin Baker has mentioned this several times in his run. He's going to, you know, retire and become an academic basically is before he decided he was going to become a curator obviously but he he says something like i could write a i could stay on this planet and write a thesis you know the uh you know the the archaeological history of ravlox by doctor and he's clearly going to say the next word but perry interrupts him right well you could make the case
1: that miss he was doing missy's uh name which is of course his name's doctor who yeah, <laughs>
0: you know that. It's another breaking the fourth wall moment, but um, but then Colin Baker is breaking the fourth wall with the question mark uh, collars the whole time. Anyway, right? Yeah, I guess
1: I just didn't read that much into it in the mm. in the moment, and I I was more focused on their interaction, and I think that's mm. a really good again another part of where they thought out um, where these characters are now given the last season and where they wanted to sort of take them because. It's very clear that time has passed since the last we've seen The Doctor and Perry, which was, uh, I think, mm. Revelation of the Daleks or Time Lash. I can't remember which. And uh, one, Perry has got has covered herself up. <laughs> like, she's finally got, like, a, a, a decent costume for the 80s. Yes.
0: Um, she was not a bikini last time we saw her here on Pull to Open <laughs> in uh, Planet of Fire, in our very first randomized episode, in fact.
1: Oh, that's right. Yes. Mm. She she started with it as a Davison companion. Um, Mm. uh, Wow. Speaking of uh, Hanky Panky and the TARDIS that we were talking about. Seriously. I I probably went somewhere, but uh, sorry. Sorry. I'm I'm a (laughs) shipper too sometimes, guys. Sorry. Every now and then it comes out. But the point is, I think their relationship is much more familiar, much warmer. I mean, they bickered before and they kind of played it or they actually said it. It's like, oh, this is what we do. But you never quite get the warmth and mm. that they're what they mean to each other and i think that is this is the episode where it's most apparent because the doctor comforts perry quite a bit and i wish there was a little more the other way but mm. you you do get a sense that they are like friends now and that you know the, there's even a bit at the end where the doctor's about to get into kind of like making fun of her and she's clearly not there for it and he instead puts his arm around her and says, okay you know it's okay and it is
0: Yeah, it does. It does not age well, a lot of the Doctor and Perry's interaction, even even in this story. I think it's the, uh, you know, the patronizing nature of the Doctor towards Perry cannot be ignored, even even now she's covered up. You know, uh, I I think at one point in the third episode, he, he says of her that girl can't obey an order. Right, <laughs> which <laughs> the use of "girl" and the use of order in a sentence suggesting things that you just wouldn't see in in modern Doctor you Who, right? But
1: I also did take that as more of a Bakerism in the sense of mm. like I'm playing it now is sort of the, the the mean Doctor that I was doing before, right? Like he still has elements of that that he's arrogant that people should just do what he says. Um, so I don't think we're meant to rah-rah in that moment, even right. when it's said in 1986. But to your point, I, I would have, and again, this is just how companions and Perry in particular were written at the time. I wish there was a little more there than just giving her lines about how she's a botanist and she's kind of smart here and there, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really all she kind of gets it, to sort of show that she's a capable person.
0: There is one point where he mistakes Perry for Sarah Jane.
1: There is, yeah,
0: which is interesting when when he's captured by the L three robot, which, by the way, probably the least scary robot.
1: Well, the L L three is the is Drathro. We'll we'll talk about him in a bit. That's right. one robot that yeah. little like uh, tendrils or little tentacles, I guess. That's well, almost yes. like Doctor Octopus, but just with really thin arms. Uh, it's
0: not it's bad, revealed. Not It's given a reveal several times where, you know, you you have the musical sting as if you're supposed to be scared of this sort of trundling tractor thing. Like the hum. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah so he uh you know so he's knocked out by this machine and then he sort of comes to with with a weird accent and he says he talks about sarah jane i don't know if he's trying to impersonate tom baker at that moment if Pertwee,
1: so actually oh, i was actually so i actually ah. listened to the commentary of the episode ah. and they they brought uh it was colin baker nicola bryant and i forget uh forget the actor the guy who played balazar and mm-hmm. uh tony selby and they talked about how he's yeah. he's actually doing his best per tweet right then, which okay, and then even the commentators are like, yeah, uh, good track. It sounded
0: yeah. a bit like Alec Guinness. Like if I had to place him, I, I, I would think that he's he's doing Obi Wan.
1: Yeah, there's a moment. Good little reference. Um, if we can't see other doctors in the Time Lord monitor, at least we can get <laughs> <laughs> Colin Baker's poor facsimile of them.
0: Yeah, come back to the Valyard, who will now show us the entire adventures of Sarah Jane, uh, <laughs> like, just to explain the context. Robot,
1: I think you're down. Like that was it was. Uh, this is one of those episodes where the production values. I mean, it's very seesaw, and mostly mm-hmm. on the saw. I guess if that's the, the, <laughs> the downside. So downside. Robot, I mean, it's like. <laughs> It's not a scary robot. It's just this weird, it's almost, it looks like a traffic director thing you would see on a a highway somewhere that's just blinking, you know, go to this other lane because you might, (laughs) you you can stay below 40 miles an hour. Um, Drathro as a robot is kind of okay, but this one I didn't feel like it was threatening at all. It doesn't even get a chance to do anything uh... other than shoot out those tentacles.
0: Exactly, uh, which which somehow knocked the Doctor out. We don't know how, uh, and and gets to blast through the wall of the of the Free People's uh, prison hut at one point. So that's that's where you know, a lot of the budget went on that that special effect. Oh well, um, we'll be, this is uh, this sh- this
1: episode is notable for budget for sure because they actually yeah. have the most expensive effect up until that point in the history of Doctor Who, right? Which is that space station for the Time Lords, right?
0: Mm, right and at the start
1: it looks gorgeous apparently it was six feet wide they worked on it it was like a thousand pounds which was crazy at the time um awesome it looks great but it's it's that it's only used in that one scene it's like like yeah. a, whatever it is 90 minute 90 second sequence and you never it's, see it again I, I think you see it a little later in the uh, some other trial sequences but it's the same kind of transition here's where we are
0: it's such a weird choice because it's also I believe Doctor Who's first use of motion control cameras. Uh, motion control cameras right. controlled by computer is the reason that Star Wars looked so good. Mm. Right? And the reason why you could actually finally have dogfights in space it's because the, you could time the camera to follow a, a ship in a certain sequence then you could time the camera to follow another ship and it looks great. And it looks cool and it is used here to no effect whatsoever. Right. There's virtually There's no, no point.
1: storytelling and it's like yeah.
0: They just—it's—I
1: almost feel like they commissioned the space station before they even knew what they were doing, mm. because there's a like, why are the Time Lords even on a space station? It, like that's yeah. never explained. It's just like we're in the, this is where we hold trials. I mean, you have a whole planet and a capital, and you have the ability to make things bigger on the inside. Like, why are you doing this on a space station?
0: Yeah. I mean, at least maybe write something into the script. Say this is sort of, you know, a black ops kind of trial or like it's, it's taking place in neutral space. They can actually, you know, kill the doctor and get away with it. Like, you know, you know, yeah. outside the time Lord law or something.
1: So, so the worst thing this does though, about, among all the bad things we just talked about is that it <laughs> sets your expectations higher and yeah. then you immediately go to this Ravelox and like literally the first scene with Perry and the doctor, the camera wobbles so badly. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly like this handheld thing. I think someone's tripping on a branch a couple yeah. times while they're doing it and they keep it in. And you're just like, oh, my God, not even in the depths of like the, t- the cheapest Tom Baker episode. <laughs> You'd have to go back as far back as Hartnell, really, to find production values that bad. Yeah. Where it's just like, literally, you really didn't have money for one more take there? <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, it was just, oh my God.
0: You get the feeling of someone being asleep at the switch and all this. And uh, that, that someone, you know, probably John Nathan Turner, right? But to to his credit, he probably thought, well, you know, we'll start off with a super expensive special effect. We'll get Robert Holmes in to write the rest. And that will that'll just take care of business, right? Robert Holmes... The most famous writers in Doctor Who history. Job done. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Robert Holmes was not uh, at his his sharpest. Uh, sadly, he was getting sick at this point. Uh, he he would die later in in the run hmm. uh, of Trial of the Time Lord, and unfortunately, not be there to to wrap it up as was intended. Uh, and sadly, it it does. Uh, he is kind of repeating himself here. And the the very first thing that this. Uh, that mysterious planet reminded me of Pete. I don't know if you went to the same place. Is the Crotons? Yes. Yes. Robert Holmes's very first story, where we we went uh, many many moons ago on our random adventure. Yeah. And uh, your this... randomizer through line. Yeah. a while. <laughs> you know what you want you want a a worse version of the crotons that's what you want (laughs) (laughs) but it has exactly the same thing of you know a a robot trying to persuade uh, a population of humans that the surface of the planet is on fire so they can't go out right Right. and And selecting young people from them yep
1: um and in the crotons case when they sort of Demonstrate that they have capability for knowledge, I guess, is they they're allowed to kind of uh, join them. And they, there's the there's the two the twins. I guess they're kind of supposed to look like twins in this. They don't really, yeah. Blah blah. blah. And you know, Hunka
0: and Tandrel. Yeah. And they, they, the the thing looking back at them now is they they look incredibly Aryan, right? Huh, <laughs> Almost creepily so. It's like it seems to be the the era of blonde hair in in Doctor Who, when you have you know Colin Baker who has grown out his massive perm for this story. Right. Uh, is much larger than it was. And it's
1: even permier later in this <laughs> in this the trial, I believe. But uh even Perry's got a perm going on there for a bit. So yeah, Oh
0: least, 1986.
1: <laughs> there's, there's a lot of 86 going on here. Especially with the hair. Yeah, I didn't it's actually mind those um... guys, the, the blonde guys, I just didn't mm. think like if you're looking at double acts in this episode, like glitz and dibber take the cake. Yeah. And the chips uh, you know like the i forget even the names of the two Drathro slaves but they kind of have like one or two lines that are all borderline clever but they're mostly pretty
0: unmemorable in my mind they're just sort of idiots who kind of you know look like each other and talk like each other and bicker with each other and Drathro has to say multiple times that he tires of their prattling yeah uh, uh, which again not a great thing for the whole meta trial of doctor who idea um and they're just like, at least in the crotons, I think, you know, multiple genders were selected. Um, right. But no, here we have just a couple of Blanquins. But to to its credit, I think, you know, so so one of the ideas of Trial of Time Lord was they were trying to reintroduce more humor to Doctor Who. Hmm. Uh, like that to form. duplicate Michael Craig. <laughs> that, that, most times it doesn't work, and all the, the Doctor's insulting and the value art sort of falls into that category, right? It's right. it's just groan-worthy. Um, but I actually like the sight gags of the scene where Humker and Tandral are investigating Colin Baker's pockets oh yeah he's got tons of stuff he's Got tons uh, of stuff they pull out a flashlight they uh, pull out I'm basically going to play a game show where I remember everything that was pulled out of Colin Baker's pockets yeah. a flashlight a, 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 carn- <laughs> a carnival mask <laughs> a, a teddy bear yeah and finally, a bag of what we presume to be Jelly Babies. Um, we, we don't know exactly what it is because the doctor just sort of wordlessly offers the bag to both of them yeah. after, after they pull it out. And he's sort of annoyed and pushing everything else back in. I think there's something else. is like a spray bottle or something. Um, but it's a, nice, it's a nice series of sight gags. It's probably the funniest thing in this sort of very dour episode where no one seems to be having any fun with mm. the production. Um, and I just I would have loved more of that and I would love more of the the idea that the Doctor is just sort of walking around with all sorts of crap in his pockets all yeah. the time
1: well for humor the person who's having a great time is Glitz uh, yes. and Tony Selby like like in terms of like the instilling humor into this I think that really works and Glitz is as a character is a bit inconsistent. I mean, because he starts off borderline evil. He's about the he nearly kills the Doctor and barely like right off the bat. Seems mm. completely okay with it, and he, he like even within this story, he he get tempers himself pretty quickly. He suddenly becomes that incorrigible uh, cad rather than
0: sort of yes. diabolically
1: evil rogue.
0: Um, well he's uh... a he's a cad who wants who he has aspirations right he wants to he has ideas above his station as Mm. as one might say at the time uh it being that he wants to be known as a philanthropist right he wants to (laughs) uh he likes using big words he it's the sort of you know if he was from earth he would be quoting shakespeare all the time right and he has that whole line which actually i think is funniest line in this where he talks about giving perry away you know i'd I would like right. to stand in loco parentis for your absent father, dear, but I fear I always cry at these events or something like that. Right? A pretty funny line. And mm. yeah, he and Dibber sort of make a funny double act with the joke always being that Dipper is, is too dumb to understand anything. Um, they <laughs> don't funny, quite like, follow through with that.
1: Dibber was my son's favorite character. So I watched this one with uh, yeah. Jack and he was like, I like Dipper," and asked him why. He's like, he seems like the most sensible. Like, and, yep. I think it's because it's like it's hard to know what's going on or what anyone's motive is at some points. And it's just like, oh, I'm just here to throw bombs and, you know, grab mm. a gun when told. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think I, I like Dibber. I, I don't know why I root for Dibber, but I do throughout this whole episode. Like, I kind of want him to come out on top. Um, there's a weird sort of Deus Ex Machina, not really, but it's not, it doesn't save them, but it's like, oh, everything's okay because you have this alloy from the. Uh, antenna right and you're gonna make money off that so everybody wins yay it's like that was a little sad uh or you know not sad but it's just sort of tacked (laughs) on as a thing and i think it's sort of like i really like tony selby i like glitz i wish they'd used him even more than they do him in the two or three episodes he was in um but he's not particularly effective or smart in this
0: episode
1: he he's got to get you know the the villagers get uh, the better of him pretty quickly and he he's kind of there to convey the secret stuff that the time lords want yeah the secret um and he's fun but um i kind of i wish he had sort of shown his smarts being one two steps ahead of everyone a little better because even that stuff at the end with the robot and he fools the robot the robot's the only one fooled. Like, you know, like yep. everyone else could tell,
0: Glitz is just putting them on, and that, that, uh, it was a, uh, pretty weak. Pretty weak. It's 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 very weak. And and even he who is supposed to be having the most fun with this, uh, is like there's that scene where they're about to throw him on the on the pyre. Oh yeah. And he is he is shivering to death, that poor guy. (laughs) You could see the costume they put him in. It's clearly a very cold day. And you're like, actually, (laughs) I bet he would welcome that fire, to be honest. (laughs) Um But yeah, like nobody's nobody's having fun. I thought they thought I bet they thought it was a great idea to put Joan Sims in there who's queen uh, katrika right uh she is a veteran of the carry on movies which is a long running series of you know sex farces basically very popular in britain at the time um okay. and uh and Googling here she is sex farce. Yeah, <laughs> sex farce, carry on it was all like you know carry on up the kyber carry on etc etc et it was all you know it's very british uh you know end of the pier humor um And and here she is playing playing a straight role as as the queen of the free people, and Mm. she's just not she's just terrible. And she gets to throw a gun around. That's about it. Then she gets she gets when she gets killed by Drathro at the end. Like they they've taken the time to make her like to cut her hair off or make her hair appear cut off and make her face look all frazzled, uh, which kind of a. Well you know, a, a creepy scene and sort of redolent of this sort of darker turn that Doctor Who was taking.
1: Well, think about it. You're you're kind of cheering on Drathrow at the time, yeah. right? Because you're like, oh my just get rid of this woman. Like, <laughs> like I'm so tired of because she's just so forced. Yeah, I hear you. It's it's too bad. She's not treated well. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like you know, Doctor Who often gets accused, old Doctor Who anyway, for sort of more stage acting. And I can't think of a better example or rather worse example than that bit in the hallway she's like onwards and she's kind of what gesturing sort of in a very unnatural way speaking in these sort of very almost shakespearean terms and you're just like what is is even this
0: scene yeah and that scene is supposed to be a joke as well because the the others are arguing about which way they should go in the corridors and she decides between them by shouting onwards and we're like why why even bother um yeah. well apparently that
1: head. scene was actually script editing like it was padding. so it, it shows oh, yeah. <laughs> really yeah seriously shows. i mean it was actually um, this is a quick note because it's noted yeah. in the commentary it was actually john nathan turner himself who wrote the scene because oh Hayward, who was the script editor had quit like he'd resigned in sort of a, a fit of pique, i guess because of what was going on with the show and i don't know if it's specifically michael grade stuff but he was he was not happy And, uh, so David Turner actually had to step in and that's, if if you find that that dialogue is so weird, uh, in that moment, that's why.
0: And speaking of comic relief, that doesn't really work. We have the character of Balazar, who is, uh, supposed to be like a, Mm. basically a walking library and, and he's read three three books, (laughs) three books. And (laughs) one of them is that
1: idea that there's three books left from the earth getting burnt to a crisp. And one of them is this uh, <laughs> treaties on the habitats of the Canadian goose, UK habitats right. of the Canadian goose.
0: Yeah, by yeah. HM Stationery Office, <laughs> uh, which is hilarious. Is this the this can't be the first mention of uh, Canada, Canadian things in Doctor Who?
1: I'm not sure, guys. This is <laughs> yeah. right fans. in, let us know. Right in,
0: let us know. All you Canadian fans.
1: Uh, See, that, that is the one joke I think that really works that that I laughed yeah. out loud Jack laughed out loud I sort of vaguely remember the joke but I was like oh that's yeah I remember that being very clever
0: it's you know it's sort of it's of a piece for the whole marble arch thing hmm. but again another reason for the randomizers to take us here is this is supposed to this forest they're walking through is supposed to be London and it doesn't look very much like London and you'd expect more stuff to still remain uh, exactly sure. like in the forest of the night
1: Right, yeah, that's true. You know what that's fun it's interesting that I never actually that never actually bothered me i now mm. i'm bothered by it because you pointed out <laughs> that if this is London, there should be more London stuff shouldn't there be like yeah, a little bit of a hint of Piccadilly, hint of Trafalgar Square it's here and, and like, there.
0: yeah the name Marble Arch Station is written right there. Why would you shorten it to Mob Station? I know you're trying to do the whole post-apocalyptic thing, but like they, they're capable of using more syllables. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
1: What did, what, one other thing I thought in terms of the setting and it's a missed opportunity, but I mean, I get why, because they blew all their money on the space station. The antenna mm. is so tiny. <laughs> like it's like this little, it's like a, one of those mayday poles or whatever that you might, you know, ra- dance around. And, Uh, I felt like, oh, this is such a big plot point and would have been a much bigger one, literally and figuratively, if they just made it super large. And you couldn't really Mm. do it then. But I mean, maybe if they'd spent some money. But like today, that would be a massive, like it'd be like the Washington Monument or even bigger. Like this is the black light antenna and that would make it a much more impactful to both the viewer and much a bigger thing when Dibber destroys it. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's one of these rare cases where just going big visually would have increased the spectacle and the story. Uh, I think to to a large degree.
0: Yeah, and you could even sort of do something like green screen a a tall London monument in there yeah, you and could say that's the antenna. You know, uh, true. Would...
1: We, we'll, we'll, we'll forgive you. You know, just yeah, exactly. Give, give us give us the idea of a giant uh, of obelisk like antenna, and we'll we'll go with it. We'll go with you.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah, or make it the post office tower, which is already featured in the war machines. You know, uh, make yeah, it, I mean, make it Nelson's Column. Make it something yeah. that that also gives us that sense of you're actually in in the ruins of London.
1: Yeah, so many missed opportunities here. Um, it just uh, you know you could you could go on and on. I mean, the, you never get a sense of like the the people underground. Like you see them a couple times, mm-hmm. and they they throw stones at the doctor and whatever, but you you have no real sense of what life is like for these people uh, other than, you know, like it would be kind of interesting to see what the daily drab of someone, one of Drathro's subjects is like, that they just, you know get up, I don't know go on an exercise bike or something <laughs> <to> <laughs> eat some <laughs> yeah. of the green stuff and it's just yeah, physical exactly. existence and get a good sense of what the doctor would be freeing them from, but uh, they never do that yeah, nothing, you, we just see the
0: the, the train gods who, right. who are only once seen on a train <laughs> and, they, and they uh murdine who's the, the head of the, the mm. train guards head of security uh keeps saying how how much stealthier it is to hunt on foot and yeah. we're like okay you, we get it you could only afford the train for one scene <laughs> and uh, you, you're being so you're being quote-unquote stealthy for the rest of them um I kind of like Mardin, you know, as sort of the, the guy who is subtly fighting against this dystopia and, uh, you know, is confronted by one of his own guards at one point. Uh, who. Yeah. But he does have what I think may be one of the worst cliffhangers in in doctor who history and by the way the, the, a lot of the cliffhangers here don't work because of course we know that the doctor is alive in the future so like why <laughs> why would we believe that he's in peril on ravalox at, at a cliffhanger just make all the cliffhangers in the courtroom uh Ooh. but you know the series the, the, the show is sort of famous for like uh, the zoom in on the doctor's face being the cliffhanger right yeah oh no i'm well no, i'm I on could, trial
1: for my yeah. life yeah one could kill um, me which by yeah. the way, like credit to the most recent episode of even the Daleks on having yeah. the cliffhanger be the doctor actually getting killed. Like yeah. I like, like, just it just occurs to me that that's kind of the one time they've they subverted that. Uh, not the one time, yeah. but like it's a nice subversion of like, oh, okay.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> like what happens now? And then they obviously uh, go over uh, it, but um Yeah, that was a great moment. I do love that. Um because, yeah, you, you're like, well, how are they going to get out of this, right? How are they right. going to explain it? And you don't get that with any of these cliffhangers. But yeah. the worst one, to my mind, is the end of episode three. Mardin is pointing a gun, apparently at the doctor, right. re- really at the other train guard who's behind him, apparently at the doctor, and he pulls the trigger and nothing happens. Mm. Like He pulls the trigger before we cut away from the cliffhanger right and it's just so like nothing comes out of the gun and you're just like oh he's he's misfired so why is that a cliffhanger right you
1: know? yeah it's a bit
0: uh <laughs> <laughs> production values even, again you
1: know yep, like, exactly couldn't even show a like an arrow flying out of it i mean maybe that was take one and <laughs> for some reason it got the film got overexposed <laughs> Uh, yeah, just yeah. stick a,
0: you know, scratch onto the film for like that super cheap effect of making a laser beam appear. Just do something that makes it think that someone's, a, you know, awake at the switch.
1: Yeah, but to your point, I think the trial um, cliffhangers are, are more effective. I You know, I, I think the one at the end, the very end of this one, is predictable but it's okay because it's like it effectively teases because uh, you know there's more trial to come mm. and we've had the little hints within this of like something more here than the doctor's trial which is good so i i did feel like at the end of episode four that like okay i actually wouldn't mind it if the randomizer that brought us to mind warp or whatever yeah. i don't know like yeah fat all, right, we're totally... all the way to ultimate foe
0: I would totally go to Mind Warp next. Mind Warp is my favourite part of the trial. It it scared the crap out of me as a kid, uh, and I'm I'm kind of keen to watch that again. Um, yeah. It is also we should mention that it is in in all of the uh, polls and ratings of the show that I've seen. Uh, this uh, you know, Mysterious Planet is rated as the as the worst part hmm. uh, across the board. It, it has the lowest wit. rating, even, even with Yes, even with Glitz, even with Deva. Yeah. Uh, it's rated as the worst part. So we have, not only is the randomizer giving us the blessing, blessings be unto the immortal randomizer, um, <laughs> it's it's giving us Trial of a Time Lord and Order, but it's also getting the worst part out of the way first. Well, thank right. you, randomizer. That's a good so way to look can at it. So only go uphill from here.
1: I will say, as a point of... Um, not necessarily light black light, perhaps within Mm. this episode, I did like the design of Drathrow. I thought it was kind of a cool throwback to sort of forbidden planet esque um, robots. Yeah. He's got
0: this sort of radar head. It looks a little bit minotaur esque almost.
1: Yeah. And he's big and imposing. Uh, The, the actor who does his voice, Roger Briarly, I thought did a really good job Mm. of working with the lines to both show a certain amount of emotion because, you know, there's obviously downsides to doing your stereotypical monotone as a mm-hmm. robot. So he he does it emotionally, but to a point, point, not to the, and not over the line where you would just go, oh, come on, like a robot mm-hmm. wouldn't be like that, and then you'd have to sort of justify it in some other way. Like a good example of that actually, that actually works is the boss, where mm-hmm. it was a very emotional performance, but intentionally so, and that worked for that story. But I think Drathro kind of works um, for this story. And he also, again, he does us the thankful favor of uh, frying up the, <laughs> the Queen yes, Katrika, Queen Katrika. or whatever his name is um, and, and readiness of that, which also gives him a nice moment at the end of like, I can finally be an effective villain.
0: There's, there's this one shot where Drathro is taking what appears to be a small handbag, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a small purse off the wall. It's <laughs> supposed to be oh, all the knowledge that he's taking, secrets. but just yes. yeah. But just the fact that it's got a carrying case handle, uh, yeah. it just it looks so unintentionally comical, as does so much of this story.
1: Yeah. It's it's funny. It's like, let me just get my secrets. Hold on. It's like, <laughs> it's just to pick, physically pick something up, which I actually liked. And there's kind of like a, uh, what I would say was probably a dumb line at the time that I think mm. as the world has progressed is probably smarter than it seems and we can retcon it. So Glitz mm. says when the secrets come out is like, oh, there they are. They're all micro dots, right? And yeah. I think in the 80s, microdots were probably considered really cool because, you know, this was obviously a, a, an old military. I don't know how much it was actually used in uh, spy. Um, uh, spy. What do you call it? Spy games, spyware, whatever. Um, it, as a thing where you shrink text to a, an absurd degree that it looks like a dot, but then you right. put it under a microscope and it's actually tons and tons of data. Now that sounds pretty dumb for a far future civilization particularly one like the time lords or whatever but mm. um if you think about today so um i i happen to know a little bit about cryptocurrency because of my day oh. job and mm-hmm. there's this idea well not this idea there is if you if you have a crypto wallet you also know that you are strongly encouraged for your passwords to get if you ever lose like your access to it and your passwords, you get like these 20 words for some of these wallets and they're Mm -hmm. sort of random words that are generated and you're strongly encouraged to keep a hard copy. Like do not put that in a place where there's a screen cap, like that there's any capability of a digital system, even seeing it because then you're, you're screwed. Like, you know, the way Mm -hmm. cryptocurrency is obviously it's totally decentralized. You'll never, ever get it back. So keep a hard copy. So I like the idea that in the far future anything you want kept secret you have to keep it not electronic there's there's actually a lot of truth mm-hmm. to that uh mm-hmm. if you still definitely think about how computers have progressed and will no doubt continue to progress when we get into quantum computers and even encryption yeah. will become something that will be able to be broken right so uh keeping hard copies of things is always a and will always be i would hope a thing right. to uh keep them out of the hands of prying eyes so i thought that was actually that actually works in hindsight
0: right it's 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 air gapped uh this 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 little handbag handbag version of the matrix oops given away the secret um yeah i you know i don't i don't want to spend too long dunking on trial of a time lord because Mm. it's too easy it's it's just but it is sort of doctor who's equivalent of of a train wreck that you kind of and not even a train wreck that you can watch they're usually amusing Mm. to watch but this one is just just kind of sad it is a show Shooting itself in the foot over and over again, and kind of, you can kind of date the the end of of uh, classic who to to this serial, right? I mean, yeah. it did continue for a few more years with Sylvester McCoy, and we had the, you know, the Cartmel Master Plan and all of that, and it got good towards the end, so I'm told. Um, <laughs> I'd I'd stop watching. A, a lot of people had stopped watching. um You know, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get to the McCoy episodes. But basically, this sort of, you know, it's kind of generally agreed in fan circles that Trial of the Time Lord sealed its fate, sealed the fate of the old show. Yeah, because so. it, it
1: brought back, like, I mean, it was from a, back from an 18-month hiatus. And while that's, mm-hmm. you know, an 18-month hiatus is not a good thing to go through, there's an opportunity there. And you can do yeah. something pretty cool, pretty epic, or you could go back to basics. Anyway, you, whatever you choose to do... Um, there's going to be a lot of eyes on it, and what they chose to do here again, in it its ambition um, with what with certain decisions that were made, as well as um, just sort of the general execution of it, uh, kind of fell on its face, unfortunately. And it, yeah. it, it managed to get up and stumble and finish the race, but you just—it's kind of one of it, those things where, like, the Olympics are on now. Funnily <laughs> enough, as, as we're yeah. recording this podcast, and I just a couple of days ago, I I watched Sean White's last run. As a snowboarder, mm-hmm. and it it kind of feels like that, where all eyes are on you, and it's, uh, unfortunately, as everyone knows, he clipped the side. Uh, he did mm-hmm. a great. Uh, this previous run was okay, so he, he didn't completely embarrass himself in this Olympics. But it was like, oh, you, yeah,
0: yeah, had a and that's and the you, feeling. You just
1: feel really bad for it. And, um,
0: yeah, yeah. So the show is spending 14 episodes basically committing suicide, and uh, <laughs> it's it's terrible. It's it's well, the terrible. So... Was you know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and Mind, Mind Warp was okay. It, it all has its moments, but it just, overall, yeah. this is the moment where the show doomed itself. And you've got to wonder if, if John Nathan-Turner had been more of a of a modern showrunner. Because mm-hmm. like, it wasn't entirely clear in those days, right, between the producer or the script of editor, who was the equivalent of R.T.D. and Moffat and Chris Chibnall, right? Who is what we would describe as as the showrunner. So, you know and it, and it wasn't really clear and i think that was to to doctor who's detriment um but you gotta wonder if it had someone who was more on it who may, maybe was taking a look at the home script as it was coming in um right you know it could have we could have saved it here or maybe it couldn't maybe maybe the show just had to go away so it could uh, you know regenerate into something more brilliant
1: Yeah, maybe. I think uh, there's a lot of truth to both sides of that. I think Doctor Who is in itself, like certainly from the early years on, is a show that, you know, resources almost don't matter. Right. Like Mm. like and I think the show suffered a lot because of lack of resources, too, because they cut the uh, runtime of the seasons, cut the budget. Um, oh. you know, at this time, this is right around when Star Trek, the next generation was starting to be made. Right. And that at the time at just uh, unbelievable budget, I think it was the highest budget in TV and, <sighs> um, it, uh, you know, doctor who finds a way or used to, and I think because of circumstances around the show and I think it's a good point. I mean, Nathan Turner, I always thought of him as sort of the equivalent of a showrunner, but maybe the nature of the job then it was like, he, he didn't quite. Uh, have that godlike power that we sort of ascribe to people like Davies and Moffat now to kind of like yeah. really uh, shake the the good stuff out of every single minute of that of that episode, whatever it is.
0: Yeah, and, but uh, if there's uh, any season that needed that, right, that that yeah. sort of sense of coordination at the top, it was this one for sure. And it just doesn't Richie come through. Exceeded
1: the grasp, you might say. Indeed. What's the What's the that the, your sucker arm exceeded your god stick. I don't <laughs> exceeded know. Exceeded
0: your plunger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, anything, anything else good
0: to say? Well, I mean, I, I yeah. think we
1: need to figure out before we wrap up where the Clara Splinter was here, Chris. As uh, you know, assuming <laughs> Doctor Simeon wasn't just in the background and they were just <laughs> having a chess match or arm wrestling or whatever.
0: <laughs> I like that. I I don't know. I mean the uh, what what plot holes do we have? Well,
1: I've got one. Uh, sure. Here's my idea. Okay, so um you there's that bit in the village where I forget what's going on. I think they're they're being marched like basically Perry, Glitz and Dibber are being marched off either to be killed or to be back to their prison or whatever the where mm-hmm. they're being held. And Uh, Dibber and Glitz essentially embarrass those two guards like instantaneously like it's not Mm -hmm. even a fight and they fall down now you'll notice those guards have helmets on and you can't see who's underneath so Mm. I'm I'm thinking well Clara infiltrated the guards early on and basically got one of these outfits on and decided you know I'm just gonna pretend I have a glass jaw nice boom yeah that works now go ahead and blow up that, uh, and then right after that, they blow up the antenna. So, let's it all, put it all in motion.
0: Okay, okay, that works, and thereby preventing Perry from having multiple husbands, uh, <laughs> so that she can well, go away and have just one in the future.
1: Right, one saving one, her,
0: one king, saving her for Brian yeah. Blessed. Um, yeah, <laughs> that all works.
1: We should all save ourselves for Bride
0: Lesson. <laughs> I know I am. Um, <laughs> we, we should also discuss a regular segment, What If The Evil Plot Had Succeeded? Indeed. And uh, here is uh, here is an evil plot that's sort of laid out pretty clearly, right? Drathro is going to let the blacklight thing blow up. Yeah. The, the thing that the doctor and Perry and Murdine save by jamming random buttons. And by the way, speaking of shots that look terribly hilarious. Now you see jam- Perry just sort of jamming away on what is clearly a computer keyboard. <laughs> this has been painted black. Right. And she's just, yeah. the just like, press every button. Yeah. And then she goes from just pressing every button on a keyboard to somehow being able to show Murdine all of the, the things, all of the switches that he has to, push or flick well then yeah uh, the
1: push those plunger like things down
0: and he yeah. doesn't
1: even finish did you notice that yeah. like there's three he doesn't of them do the third plunger two, which i guess is that presumably why there's still an explosion i don't know but it's actually you know it awakens again not to keep the pilot on here but is it ever really clear like what the black light does and
0: why it's a power source and why it's even interesting it's just mentioned <laughs> yeah it's It really is hand-waved away. And it's kind of funny now that, uh, you know, certainly here in uh san francisco where i live and recording this you know we we, we have plenty of parties with black light which is sort of you know <laughs> what the, the term for ultraviolet right light right it's used a lot at raves it's used uh, at burning man a lot mm. uh so it's just sort of hilarious and again my, my wife was watching some episodes of this with me and just just burst out laughing every time they mentioned black light and the black light antenna black light power and how <laughs> black light could destroy the universe um uh, because of that that history that we have with it. So yeah, it's not entirely clear. I think it's sort of like supposed to be a dark matter equivalent of light. Maybe. Yeah, like,
1: um, I, I thought my mind immediately went to the term dazer, which if you know is a made-up sci-fi absurd term, meant <laughs> dark amplification by stimulation of radiation, which makes no <laughs> freaking sense. But if the idea is like, you know, uh, if you could picture what a flash dark would look like right like you're that's what i sort of picture what black light is it's it's taking away light which again absurd scientifically but that has never stopped doctor who and if they wanted to do that and and use that idea that you could just flash dark at people i think that would have made uh, the story like really leveled it up because that's kind of a fun idea even if it doesn't make sense but they they never really do that and they never even tell you what this is and that we just take it at the doctor's word that the whole universe was threatened i mean obviously it helps <laughs> his case in the trial but it's yeah. not i i am not getting it. it just feels like it was about to blow up which is fine but not that interesting
0: yeah it's weird I, th- I think the doctor at one point he doesn't say it threatens the universe i think he says it threatens the galaxy which no, he is says the universe at trial he comes back to the um... trial he's like who's well, no one can claim to have saved the entire universe. Well, I think in in the Revlox segment, though, I think what he says is galaxy. Because I I remember noting that and saying, well, hang on. You know, uh, Glitz just said he had the death sentence in six galaxies or something like that. So clearly he is part of a multi-galaxy civilization. Uh, So that's not quite the same as uh, saving the universe, right? That's true. The loss of the Milky Way galaxy... (laughs) uh, in the Andromeda constellation or wherever the hell we are, uh, would surely be severe and we would not like that, but yeah, the, the, the doctors may be doing a little bit of the, you know, the fish that got away here. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, expanding, uh, in, in the service of saving his life. Um, yeah. And, Speaking uh, of all yeah. That, I
1: feel like I got to throw in one last nitpick. Uh, it's never mm-hmm. one last one with me, by the way, <laughs> but it is like the, this has been said before, like none of the, uh, constellation stuff makes any sense because they say a couple of times that Earth has been moved a couple of light years um, yeah. which would essentially put it about as close as Proxima Centauri and not... Uh, so in other words, like, what? why would the doctor even wonder, like, this if this isn't Earth? You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's so close. Um, that said, you know, stars kind of move you know, a 2 million year, I think they said it's 2 million years in the future that it, it would, you know, that the star formations would look a little different, uh, just inherently. Um, sure. so that what is, what even is two light years? And so anyways, in other words, it's like, if the time, you know, I should have, can I spoil that this, the time Lord, yeah, yeah, that uh, they, if they move the earth and, um, raise it, uh, with some solar flares or whatever, uh, why wouldn't you put it much further away than like yeah. the general neighborhood of its uh, its a star system? So yeah, yeah. When the,
0: when the when the Daleks move Earth, they don't mess around. Yeah, <laughs> when, exactly. we know that
1: points uh, Daleks on that one. <laughs> the time we're at home, better Earth uh, movers.
0: Seriously, and uh, yeah, and they they would not bore the Doctor to death in in any trial that they would put him on um But anyway, did, we, did yeah. we resolve what would happen if the uh, evil plot? Basically, there'd be a black hole yeah. explosion, and maybe
1: yeah. it would destroy the galaxy, or maybe it would just destroy that, you know, railway station. Yeah, the people.
0: Um, could be one in, of the bigger little.
1: Depends on uh, what, how, it, how do you like your stakes.
0: <laughs> it it, your it does suggest that it would destroy the Doctor and the Tardis and Perry outright. Yeah. No. Right? They're just they'd be too close to the explosion, can't get back to the TARDIS in time. The doctor doesn't even know which direction the freaking TARDIS is in, uh, as we <laughs> learn at the end of the episode. Um, but I think it's so, it is an explosion
1: yeah. at the end, it's just not the black light explosion, right? It's just yeah, this blows
0: up. So I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> gotta have an explosion at the end. It's classic Doctor Who, yeah, it just happens. I gotta, gotta use that pyrotechnics budget um, to not very great effect. But
1: yeah. So what are we presuming? uh, We're presuming it's a big explosion. Everybody dies. Yeah. And then, (laughs) then we don't have a trial, do we?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, Doctor just goes through all these regenerations, dies in each one, black light death. uh, Valyard fades away. Yeah, Valyard doesn't even exist in the first place. Um, By the way, I don't want to get too deep into the Valyard, and we haven't got too deep into the Valyard. No, that's for for the old hippo. But but I will say that uh, we, a little spoiler alert, the Valiard is supposed to be the Doctor between his 12th and final regeneration. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Which at the time was taken to mean the end of his regeneration cycle. But now it does actually leave the wiggle room of some between 12th and final. Well, we're still between <laughs> 12th and final. <laughs> so if we want to bring this around full circle to who could RTD bring in as the Doctor,
1: well, why bye. not have the
0: Valiard? Why not have some Valiant action what is, right now? Uh,
1: what's his name? Michael Jaston? Yeah, he what's he these doing these days? days?
0: Yeah, Yeah. Let's call did, up. did he show up in Big Finish at some point? Did he? I don't know. I, the Valliard certainly did. Uh, I don't know how often. Uh, I do know that there were some sort of, sort of continuity notes within Big Finish or you know, guides for, was it the new adventure writers, hmm. who, which basically said, don't include the Valyard; He's a continuity yeah. nightmare. Which <laughs> I
1: think like I do not if they those guidelines are in today, I think it'd be yeah. like go for it. Like have some yeah. fun, guys. Um but go nuts. we got to get was, something out of
0: travel of time Was,
1: was the Valyard even pictured for like a split second in The Timeless Children? When, you know, there's the whole like breakout of the Matrix and um uh, Jody Whitaker sees like all of her previous faces like very, very quickly, including, you know, the ones from
0: Morbius, uh, yeah, brain Morbius, yeah, from McBrain Morbius, yeah.
1: Maybe it wasn't because, mm. in that case, you know, if she still hasn't been the Valyard yet, it wouldn't necessarily mean. Good a chance, point. Uh, that she would have that memory. So I don't know. But I'd have to, no, spoilers. <laughs> no
0: spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Yeah, bring bring on the Valyard, and then uh, bring bring in River to to marry the Valyard. <laughs> <laughs> set him oh, on wow. the right track.
1: I love it. Okay, so basically, kind of a boring ending if the political <laughs> plot succeeds it's like everything blows up and there's no drop.
0: <laughs> yeah I think we're saying a lot by the fact that we're so uninterested that we keep going off track uh, that kind yeah. of tells you a lot you know every every previous episode of pull to open we have been like oh oh and it would lead to this and it would mean this and you know last week we got you know uh, Madame de Pompadour not being around leading to the right. lack of existence of the United States that was a surprise um, but yeah here we got nothing yeah Yep.
1: Whatever you guys <sighs> like. That's how you like your explosions, big or small. And you fill in the blanks.
0: So how do you feel this went, Pete, as a, as a therapy session on, on Trial of a Timelord? <laughs> because I'm actually feeling worse about it than when I started, which I guess is a kind of a thing with therapy sessions. It happens sometimes. Yeah,
1: I'll give it three Ogrons. How about that? <laughs> uh, as a therapy session. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, like you said, it's it's interesting to think about this era of who and the more you sort of uncover the more you're like oh it's too bad Mm. you know uh, so from a historical exercise it's kind of interesting but you know uh, it's very understandable that it kind of leads to a bit of a downer and you kind of you know you look for those rays of light like glitz like uh, i think the robot like a little bit of the doctor and perry's relationship but Mm. ultimately you're kind of like okay maybe Maybe don't take us to Mind Warp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind going to Mind Warp now. Randomizer. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there so it doesn't do it. Um, I, I wouldn't mind it that much. I sort of feel like this is the nadir of our entire adventure. And really? it was sort of weird to me. looking, looking at these Doctor Who polls. Like people, the, the most recent one, which isn't Doctor Who magazine. It was a, an online survey uh, conducted independently. But it actually rates things like In the Forest of the Night lower than t- Trial of a Time Lord. Mm. Interesting. Uh, to take the example of a thing that we've been to recently. Yeah. I would watch Forest of the Night a hundred times <laughs> before I'd watch Trial of a Time Lord, you know? I mean, it's, it's ranked higher in the Doctor Who poll, uh, magazine polls. It's ranked higher than the Crotons. I would watch the Crotons again over Trial of a Time Lord. Mm. Like, I, I just, there's, there's such sadness and such missed opportunity around this for me that, um, yeah, I would. I'm glad that this is now Time Locked and i think that there's literally in the randomizer nowhere to go but up i don't care take us to the gunfighters take us to you know any of these famously bad episodes in yeah. new history i'll take it that's that's my challenge to the randomizer this time we always give the randomizer a challenge <laughs> do your worst do your because worst. the worst has already happened
1: yeah that's fair that's fair i um i don't know i i would probably agree we're probably at the lowest point of our run Having watched some of that McCoy stuff that mm. we've so far avoided, I might, I might think yeah. the worst is yet to come.
0: But maybe, maybe the twin dilemma, which is sort of uh, often ranked right at true. the bottom of these surveys, mm-hmm. maybe. But at least then we'd have a bit of regeneration yeah. fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's, uh, there's, there's depths to explore still. Mm. I think <laughs> a little bit, but yeah. No, it's been uh, – I'm just what the hell, man? Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Let us randomizer, we need you. It's at ludicrous speed. Let's find out <laughs> gonna... where we're going next. We need to get out of here. We need to activate it. Okay, guys, it's time for us to activate the randomizer. As everyone knows, or if you don't, the randomizer is two components. We have the codex, which is linked to in the show notes, which is a list of every single Doctor Who televised story from an Unearthly Child all the way to Eve of the Daleks. There's 299 mm-hmm. of them. And yep. Within this codex, we must introduce a random element. And Chris, That's right. And
0: the random element is provided by Random.org, which is a true random number service. Avoids, gets around the fact that computers and uh, intelligent robots from the future are very bad at producing random numbers uh, because they rely on algorithms to guess at them. Instead, Random.org uses atmospheric noise and uh, is used around the world for lotteries and sweepstakes and online games and so forth. So that is how we are navigating through Doctor Who. But yes, let us stand at the TARDIS console and punch the button, pull the lever, bring out the biscuit dispenser and get us the yep. hell out of here. Yep. So, Pete, are we ready? Do you you have
1: the codex? I do. Are you prepared to activate?
0: I am ready. Uh, you know, give, me, give me a countdown All and right. a wheezing noise. Let's do
1: this in... Four, three, two, one. How old is he? 87. 87. We're an old who for sure. There we go. Yep. Zeroing in on coordinates. The hand of... No, wait. It's not the hand of fear. It's the deadly assassin. Oh, what? Yeah. Seriously? That's Seriously. It's the deadly wow. assassin. Like, once 87. again. seven. Yep.
0: I am in awe of the randomizer for taking us to another Time Lord based adventure, Gallifrey based adventure.
1: Wow! Um, we'll get to <laughs> we'll get to, uh, to talk about how the legal system has changed quite a bit. In
0: the
1: <laughs> two doctors uh, uh, since uh, this one. Yeah, the Assassin. Wow, very um, revered in many fan circles as a classic. Uh, certainly indeed. a v- extremely notable episode uh set the tone for gallifrey uh from then on for a long long time uh the reverberations yes. from which we uh was were still apparent in the new series
0: and included the idea of, of only 12 regenerations right or 13 regenerations right um, a lot made about rassilon um yep. yeah we'll get to it, but there's a lot here it's another robert holmes oh my it is isn't it yeah, it's which is nice because I, I sort of like I de- what part of the sadness of Mysterious Planet is like the last Robert Holmes episode, and it's just sort of it's so bad, and it's a hmm. it's just remaking the Crotons and and all of that. But here we are, Robert Holmes at his prime.
1: Yeah, really. Uh, thanks, and sort of taking his authority seriously and sort of building Doctor Who lore. Um, yeah. And the results were impressive. Okay, wow. Speaking of, wow, we 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 did the opposite again. We're like, do your worst. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Here you go, guys. Well, thank you, Radheiser. We're
0: looking forward to yeah. that one. We're going to get to talk about the time laws, talk about uh, the master uh yes, it's gonna be super, super exciting horror. oh my uh, and we're going to be talking about the most uh supposedly the most violent episode of doctor who or the the one that was uh brought up and edited by the bbc on its reruns i believe uh the the, the famous third episode of the deadly assassin yeah um but we'll get there we'll get there
1: it is kind of hilarious how the violence gets brought up a lot uh, in the mm. show's history and um well anyway it was in this episode that <laughs> was even one of the criticisms, but, uh, you look back and you're just like, what,
0: what are you talking about?
1: I mean, yeah,
0: it's just silliness. Also, uh, interestingly, it is 1976. So we're, we're literally jumping a decade back in time here. Nice. Uh, just 10 years and how much doctor who had changed in that time. Right.
1: Yeah. Bit of a fast return switch we're doing, if you will. <laughs> okay folks wow this has been a great journey we're looking forward to the next one we want to thank you all for listening uh this has been pulled to open it's a podcast <laughs> if you haven't yet it subscribed is? to the, our podcast please do there's a button somewhere on whatever you're listening to whether it's apple spotify google breaker someday i'll figure out where all the places we're at but we're on them Please subscribe, tell your friends to subscribe and follow us on social where we're very active, especially on TikTok. We're at TikTok at pull2open, all one word, Twitter and Instagram at pull2open63. Please leave us a comment, chat with us, go ahead and leave us a review, which we love. Go to your podcast app, leave us a quick review. Uh, yeah. Do, do it right now while you're listening to us while, while we're closing out the show yeah, as the closing stars. music plays I've seen five stars, hopefully I'll see them on your review too uh, it's been super fun, we're going to be doing this all again in a week with the Deadly Assassin and we will see you next time bye guys